Let's pray real quick. Father God, we want to ask that you would step in this moment and that you would teach us from your word. God, as we continue to study through the Psalms, we ask that you would open up our minds and reveal things to us that we have never seen before, but that you cannot wait to show to us. God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this time, and we thank you for continuing to guide us and to protect us on this journey. In your name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. As I mentioned earlier, I'm Joe. Uh, I head up the student ministries here at Three Timbers Church. Um, and occasionally, when Jeff decides to take a vacation, I'm the one that usually gets to preach in his stead. So I know that Pastor Jeff is in Pennsylvania right now with Levi, I believe, checking out the Little League World Series, which is a pretty awesome opportunity to take. So we're very excited for him. He'll be back next week. But we have been going through a series together called Summer in the Psalms. And we have been studying the Psalms all summer long, actually all the way back since May. We're coming down to the final couple of Psalms together here. And uh, this morning, we're going to be discussing something that I think is very near and dear to me because it tells us a little bit about the character of God and it tells us a little bit about how much God loves us and most interestingly to me, how much he's interested in us, which maybe you don't really think about how interested God is in you. But before I jump in and we discuss what the word has for us this morning, I want you guys to do a little talking yourselves. Now, I had a friend who just recently went on a nine-hour movie marathon binge, and he watched The Lord of the Rings straight through. Unlike normal people, though, he decided to start it at 10 p.m., and then he watched it all night long until about 8 o'clock in the morning, which is a little bit ridiculous. But it inspired me to try to figure out what are some actors, what are some movies that you absolutely love. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Find a neighbor, make a friend, say hello, ask them what is their favorite movie, what is their favorite type of actor, who do they like, who do they follow, that type of stuff. So take about a minute, find somebody next to you, ask them a question, what's their favorite movie, who's their favorite actor, go for it. Other eggs. Mm-hmm. Very nice. <clears throat> We're doing comedy. Take a few more seconds. We got other stuff we got to get to. All right. Huge tangent. All right. If you guys heard any names or any movies that you liked, shout them out. What are some movies that we said? What are some actors that we liked? Let me hear somebody shout them out. Gone in 60 seconds. Casey, wow. Good for you. I'm going to keep an eye out on the roads. This is good to know. All right, fair enough. Anybody else? Star Wars. You realize there's like nine Star Wars movies now. Are we talking the original? Yes, I love it. Very, very good. Anybody else? Movies, actors, who do we got? Oh, Denzel Washington. Okay, very, very good. Yeah. 
What was that? John Travolta, Greece. Oh, John Travolta in Greece. Yes, very, very good. Absolutely. Let's see. One more. Do we have one more? Anybody else? Yeah, buddy. The Sandlot. Yes. I think we can just end right there. That is perfect. Right there on the Sandlot. You know what? We're a culture that loves movies. I love movies. I love actors. Uh, I follow actors. I'm one of those guys, and my wife gets kind of mad at me for this, but I will watch a movie, but I'm constantly on my phone researching the actors that are in the movie because I want to figure out who they are and what other movies they've been in. And I pride myself by knowing a lot of names of actors and what movies they've been associated with. One of my favorite actors, and I have many, but one of my favorite actors was Robin Williams. And I'm not sure if you guys could agree with that, but the man was magic in the movies. Everything that he did, from comedies to some of the dramas that he did, those are some of my favorites, from Dead Poet Society. Um, I love that movie. Or Patch Adams, um, just amazing things that he did. Even Good Morning Vietnam was a phenomenal movie. And the man just had an aura about him, a charisma about him that just magnated people to him. It was phenomenal. Some of the things that Robin Williams did during his lifetime, he won an Academy Award. He won five Golden Globes. He's actually listed on several different websites and um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Hollywood tracking actor lists. That sounds really formal. We'll go with that. Hollywood tracking, Hollywood tracking actor lists. He's rated at number 16 of all time as one of the best actors ever number 16, which is really phenomenal to me. And Robin Williams meant a lot to me growing up, mainly because of Aladdin. And then moving forward, hearing some of his earlier work, it really made an impact in me because he was so good at what he did. When Rob Williams committed suicide, which was back in 2014, um, at the time, I was working at Boys Town as a crisis counselor. What does that mean? That meant that I worked with a lot of people who were suicidal. And my job was suicide prevention, making sure people didn't do anything to harm themselves or to harm others. Um, so I would talk to a lot of people who were depressed and a lot of people who were really upset. And my goal was to help them find some paths or some plans to get their lives a little bit better, to improve their lifestyle and their livelihood. And I got to tell you guys, I was working when Robin Williams committed suicide. And we had this influx, this amazing amount of people that called in and came in and started talking to us. And nationally, um, the amount of people that decided to harm themselves or attempt suicide after Robin Williams passed away, it was astronomical. In the four months following his death, we had about 20,000 people who committed suicide, which is way higher than the normal average. And there were some studies that were done and have been done since then in the last four years. And what people realized was that when a celebrity or someone of note passes away, there's this impact, there's this massive ripple effect that goes throughout the culture because a lot of people feel so drawn to that public figure. A lot of people feel so connected to that individual. And it, it really got me thinking because we just talked about movies for just a couple of seconds together. And you guys probably had a whole bunch of different movies and famous characters and actors that you could immediately throw out. People that have either entertained you for years or movies that really made you think, uh, really got your heart, had you on the edge of your seats. That's what movies can do to us. And the people that perform in those movies, they can grab our hearts. 
I think that's what happened to America when Robin Williams passed away. He grabbed our hearts. And it was interesting to me because I was working as a crisis counselor. I would talk to a lot of people who specifically said, if a guy like Robin Williams can't be happy, what chance do I have? And I can't tell you how many different conversations I had in that year following his death with people that felt so connected to Robin Williams that it was almost like they were best friends. They knew all about this guy. They had like studied his entire life. They knew who he was married to, his kids, how old his kids were, where he liked to go for food. Like they knew everything about this guy. And it blew me away. And yet at the same time, I realized that we can know a lot about someone But that does not mean that we know that person. You can know of people, I know of a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I have a real relationship or I actually know them. And yet somehow in this situation, maybe an isolated incident, maybe not, but people that knew about Robin Williams and were super fans felt like they actually knew him. I watched a documentary on Robin Williams just a little while ago And it was really interesting because in the later years of his life, he was dealing with depression. And when he gave the interview, he explained why he felt so depressed and so sad. And he said he felt very, very alone in this world. And that's interesting to me. But as I I listened more and I kind of knew some of my background from my experiences in the past, what I understood is that this very public figure, he was known by a lot of people but nobody really knew him. And he probably knew about a lot of people and had a lot of acquaintances, but he had very few friends who he truly knew. And that's what he was talking about in those interviews those last couple of years of his life. He felt very alone and like no one really knew him. And that, that's a scary spot to be because sometimes in our culture, we think that knowing about someone is the equivalent to knowing them. And we think that people know us on a public level, but we expect them to know us on a private level. What does that mean? That means that we expect people to know us and accept us for who we are. Belonging is a basic human need that we all have to find some way of achieving. And yet for a lot of us, we feel like many people know about us, but not very many people know us. And in the reverse, we might know about a lot of people, but we don't truly know them. We don't have that relationship with them. I I did some research, and there's some studies out there that actually talk about this. Forbes magazine, they came out with a study just earlier this year, back in February. They said the number five thing on the list of most important needs a human being needs to survive. So the most important essentials to life for a human being, number five on the list was to be known and loved by others. This need was only surpassed by the physical needs of water, food, shelter, and sleep. Now the study was performed by an American Association of Psychologists and they concluded people will deteriorate and die if they do not have regular access to these five basic necessities. You got to have water, obviously. You got to have food. You need shelter. You need sleep. But one that maybe we don't talk about as much is you need to be known. You need to be loved by other people. 
That's a basic human need. That's not a luxury. That's not a privilege. That's a need that we have to have. Cigna, which is an international health insurer, they did a study just um, earlier this year as well, back in May, so even more recent. And what they found is that 46% of Americans feel alone on a regular and routine basis. So what do we learn just from those couple quick stats? The basic human need of being known and being loved is something that we have to have, and yet in our culture, about half of us don't have it. We have a basic need to be known by people, to belong to some group or some family, to be loved by a group of people, and yet for whatever reason, international, national statistics are showing us that half of us, 46% of us or so, don't have that on a regular basis. And all of a sudden, I realize that a story like Robin Williams, a man who literally had everything, had all the money he could ever want, all the fame he could ever want, all the accolades and the awards, at the end of his life, felt very, very alone and as if no one really knew him. And I realize that there are many, many people throughout the world that feel the exact same way. We aren't known and we don't truly know each other. Timothy Keller, who is a very famous author and Christian theologian, he had this to say on the topic. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. Could you imagine that? To be fully known but everybody sees that. They see the inside part of you like, I don't like that. I don't want to be around that. I don't love that. That is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, it is what we need more than anything. I think that's a pretty phenomenal quote. To be fully known and truly loved, we need that more than anything. I would even go so far as to say this, we were created for that. God created us for a relationship. You go way back to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, when God is creating man, when God is creating the world, what does he say? He looks at himself and he says, let us make man in our image so that we may have relationship with him. We were made for relationship. And yet we have a serious problem where some 46%, some 60%, who knows, maybe the numbers are even higher, a large amount of us don't feel known intimately, a large amount of us don't feel loved, and many of us feel alone. And that's a very, very scary place to be. This morning, I want to jump into a psalm that speaks to this. It's Psalm 139. I'm going to ask you guys to go there in your Bibles, or if you have a phone, jump on your phone, maybe check it out. But we're going to Psalm 139 together. We're going to talk about what David understood of God's love, and more importantly, God's interest in him as a person. We're going to read a little bit about how David's friendship with God was so powerful that David fully understood how much God knew him and how much God loved him. I hope this is encouragement to you. It's going to be a little bit long. We're going to read the first, I know this is crazy, we're going to read the first 18 verses. 
I'm going to try to make it entertaining. Just hang with me. But we're going to go through the first 18 verses, 1 through 18. And this is David writing about how much he knows God loves him. How much he knows that God cares about him and God is interested in him. This is David writing. This is not God writing. That's very important to understand. David's perception of how much God cares about him. Let's jump into verse 1 right here. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Man. We could spend an entire summer on that passage. We're not going to, because I have to wrap this thing up in about 20 minutes here. But we could spend an entire summer going through that passage. I would really encourage you guys, read that over and over and over again throughout this week to fully understand how intimately God knows David. That is powerful. He knit him together in his mother's womb. He knew him from before and behind. David could never go far enough away to escape God. He could never hide in a dark enough place to stay away from God. That's amazing to me. And you know what's even more amazing about this passage? is that that's not isolated. That's universal. How God knows David is exactly how God knows you. It's exactly how God knows me. Intimately. Completely. Comprehensively. God fully knows us. He created us. And you know what's even more amazing to me? Is that he fully knows us, but he is fully interested in us. He's fully engaged. He wants that relationship with us. He wants to know everything about us. He wants to be a part of everything about us. And with David, that relationship was there. 
And for me, that, this is the one passage for me helping me understand how deeply God cares about us. This is where I want to go with my life. This is the type of relationship I want to have with God. But there's something very specific that we need to understand here. God knows all these things about each and every one of us. But he does not reveal this type of truth, this type of love to us unless we ask for it. There's a big difference between the knowledge of God and the fellowship with God. And that's something that a lot of us don't fully understand. You see, a lot of us know about God, but not a lot of us know God. And because we don't know God on that personal, relational level, He's not going to reveal to us how deeply He knows us, how deeply He cares about us, how much He loves us. Why will he not do that? Because we have to invite him in. The only way that David could understand the depths of God's love and the depths of God's knowledge about him is for David to ask God to do that, for David to invite God into his life. And as a matter of fact, just a little bit farther down in this passage, that's exactly what David does. In Psalm 139, 23, and 24, we understand how it is revealed to David this much knowledge and love about his relationship with God. Check this out. It's in 139, 23, and 24. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David invited God to know him. He opened up the door. He said, God, search me. Open book. Open heart. Take a look around. I'm not going to hold anything back. Every single secret, every single crevice, every skeleton in the closet, you can look at everything. Know all of my anxious thoughts. Search me completely and see if there's any offensive way in me at all so that you could lead me in the eternal, everlasting path that you created for me. And that vulnerability allows God to reveal to us the intimate depths that he knows us. It allows us to feel fully known and at the same time truly loved which is exactly what we were created to feel, exactly what we were created to be. I think a lot of us Christians, we have a hard time with that. I think a lot of us, we know about God. We have maybe a decent relationship with God, but we have not opened that door. We have not invited God in. We have not said, Lord, search me. Know every part about me. Tell me what you know. A lot of us don't do that. Jesus, he says it this way. It's in Revelation 3.20. And this is what Jesus says about the topic. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God is not going to barge into your life. That's not how he operates. He operates in love, not in fear. He's not going to dictate the terms but he's going to lovingly knock and wait for us to invite him in. And until we open that door, we're not going to have that feeling of being fully known. 
And unfortunately, what happens to a lot of us, myself included, we start looking for that need in other things and in other people. And we find counterfeit solutions to the problem where we find people that we can feel known and we can feel like we belong and we can feel loved, but it's incomplete. Why? Because they can't fully know us. They can't fully love us. They didn't create us. If we would just open the door and tell God, you can look around as much as you want. I'm not going to hold anything back. All my secrets, I don't want to hold on to them anymore. The things that I think I control in my life, I want to give them over to you. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be transparent so that God can reveal to me how much he truly loves me. And that's terrifying. I think about my relationship with my wife, Afton. We've been married for four years, coming up next month. Very, very exciting stuff. She has not left yet, which is pretty awesome. I don't know how I figured out that. But we've been actually together for six years. Um, dating, engaged, all those wonderful steps you're supposed to take. We did all those things. Um, six years together, and we know each other pretty well. But still, I, I know there are things that I don't know fully about her, and she doesn't know fully about me. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of terrified to show all of myself. I'm kind of terrified to show all of myself to anybody, to fully share everything that I want, all my hopes and dreams, my ambitions, my fears things that scare me, things that keep me up at night, those are things that I don't want to share with anybody. But the only way to be fully known is to fully be transparent. David understood that. David had this amazing, intimate relationship with God. As a matter of fact, God references David as a man after his own heart. That he wanted such an intimate, close fellowship with God that he was willing to open up everything and say, Lord, take a look. Search me completely. Know every single anxious thought Find every single offensive way in me so that you can lead me in the way everlasting. God fully knows us, but we don't have complete fellowship with him unless we invite him into it. Because he will not demand it, he will not barge in, he will knock on the door and patiently wait for us to open it up. And if we never do, we take that risk of saying, you know what? I'm never going to be fully known. I'm never going to have that basic human need satisfied in my life. We'll be tempted to find counterfeit measures and counterfeit solutions. And those will only lead to incompleteness. It may last for a while, but it will never last forever. This is what the psalm is talking all about, and this is what gets me so excited, because we can be fully known and fully loved. I don't think Robin Williams ever knew that. I really don't. It's very, very sad to me because I feel like men, women like him could have had been fully known by someone. They could have been fully loved. These things that happen in life, they can be prevented. But unfortunately, life doesn't happen that way always. And unfortunately, some of us are not willing to take that step. Some of us don't even know what that step looks like. What I'm telling you guys this morning, and I really want to encourage you, is that in your life, this week, this month, this year, would you be willing to open yourself up in your prayer life, in your private Bible study life, in your personal private life? Would you be willing to open yourself up and say, God, search me. I'm open for business. 
Take a look around, look at every single anxious thought inside of me, look at every single secret, every single skeleton in the closet, every single dream and hope and aspiration. Lord, would you look at me so that we can fully know each other? To know about God and to know God are two very different things. David knew God. David was friends with God. David was intimately related to God. And because of that, he was able to lead a nation. That's amazing. What could God do in your life if you fully knew him? And if you invited him to reveal just how much he loves you and just how much he's interested in you. Amen? Here's some things to think about. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Got some questions here. Things to think about for today. Nobody else is going to know their answers. This is between you and God. But honestly, answer these questions. Number one, are you opening the door to your life and inviting God to know all of you? Are you willing to be transparent with God by admitting your offensive ways or anxious thoughts that you might be having? Do you ask God to lead you every single day? That last one's a tough one, right? Every single day. When Afton and I got married, we had marriage vows. We were in front of like 300 people. There was a pastor guy right next to me. He was instructing us on what to do. It was a big event, right? And we proclaimed our love and commitment for each other in front of a big old room of people and before God. How do you think our marriage would look if I said, okay, I'll talk to you in a year after that? Let's connect at our anniversary, but we're going to live our separate lives in between. That wouldn't be much of a marriage. That wouldn't be much of a marriage at all. How do you think a marriage relationship would work if the couple ignored each other seven days at a time? Or let's go six days at a time. They got together once a week, we'll say. Do you think that relationship would last? Do you think anything real would happen there? No. For a lot of us, we treat God that way. The most intimate relationship that we're supposed to have on earth is between us and God. And yet for a lot of us, myself included, we put that thing on the back burner, man, for a week at a time, for a month at a time, for a year at a time. And we get to a point where we're like, I don't even know God. I feel so numb and so distant. Why? It's not because of God. He is always 100% committed, and he always wants to build that relationship. But it's usually because we drift away and because we don't put the time in to fully know him and to open ourselves up fully to him. Do you ask God to lead you every single day? We're going to take a minute. We're going to sing a song together, and then we're going to wrap up.